This, 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 this is mythical. Welcome to Ear Biscuits. I'm Link. And I'm Rhett. This week at the round table of dim lighting, we will be answering your questions about college. Now, whether you are in college, have been in college, or might consider one day going to college, I think you can benefit from the conversation we're gonna have using um, questions submitted by many mythical beasts as a stomping ground for ideation, yeah, advisation. You and, guys are bringing it and reminiscation. You know, we went to college. We can, you know, it's going to take us back to that place again. We've got some experiences that may offer some perspective that may or may not be helpful. But either way, hopefully, you're going to be entertained. But the thing that I love about getting the questions from the mythical beasts is it, um, it, because a lot of times what we hear them say is they we hear mythical beasts saying things about the stuff that we put out on the internet, right? Because mm-hmm. uh-huh. if you're just reading comments, you're just getting lots of opinions. Right. Good, bad, and different about the stuff that you're doing. But when you go out and you ask a specific prompt like this, there's it's like a little little picture, a little picture into their, a little window into the lives of a mythical beast. Yeah, and if, um, if you're wondering how you can respond to those prompts, that's Facebook, Twitter, Maybe Instagram, I don't think we do it on Instagram, but lots of pictures on there, so you should follow us over there too. <laughs> yeah, we got cool pics, man. <coughs> cool um, pics every day. And hopefully the light won't crash down on us mm-hmm. this week. Well, we've been told it has been secured with a, it's like a metal plate up there now. Yeah, I see it's bolted. Five, four, six. four six. There's six screws in that well, thing. Actually, they only use four screws. Do you know what? I'm pretty sure it's very secure. Let's take a question, Link. Right off the bat. Now, last time we didn't say last names because those, well, we shouldn't say last names. Yeah, let's, because Because there's some roommate complaining going on here. Yeah. There's, some, there's, some, there's some real situations that we're gonna have to rectify. It's gonna get so very, l- let's very leave some, real. Let's leave some last names off. Charos, uh, leaving off the last name. Hey, Rhett and Link. Hey. I'm gonna be moving into a rental house with four other people for this school season. Oh, yeah. Oh, Charles calls it a season. Like it's a sporting. Maybe he's an athlete. Athlete thing. There's only one bathroom. Uh Uh-oh. With four people. How do I assert my true bathroom domination from day one? Um, Very interesting question. Well, Charles, you're on the right track here in just identifying that this is going to be a problem. There's four of you, there's one bathroom, and what you do at the very beginning when it comes to the bathroom, the apartment situation, you name it. Those first few days, maybe weeks, those are important times. That's that that's that's the sweet spot to set the right precedent. But do you do you <laughs> Do you not think that Charos is potentially stepping into the water on the wrong foot? I'm trying to make a I'm trying to make a bathroom analogy. It didn't work. Stepping into the toilet water. Stepping into the deep end, so to speak, of the bathtub by saying, "How do I assert my true bathroom domination?" Because Does your bathroom have a deep end, by the way? Yeah, yours doesn't. Your bathtub. My bathtub. 
Yeah, I had it installed so I could. Uh, I think there so is I a could stand in it. There is a slight deep end, and it's the end with the drain, right. but it's only very slight. No, mine goes down like another foot. Special, special, uh, you know. Well, how does that water get out? Yeah, that's where the drain is. Oh, oh wow! I'm you're you're I'm, on a slope. I'm making it all up. Okay. By the way, it's a normal bathtub, but I think the problem is is that if everyone co- Here, again, this is uh, I can't remember what kind of ethics this is. My brain is not working today. Stupid ethics. Uh, but when you basically evaluate, if everyone were to bring this perspective to the situation, uh, there'd be trouble. There'd be trouble. So if right. every, everyone comes in with you're, "I want to dominate the bathroom," you are actually setting yeah, your. You have right. to come in saying, "How do I get bathroom tranquility?" Not bathroom domination. I think you're asking the wrong question right off the bat. Well, because I, I don't even know what. I, yeah, I think I think um, you're approaching this wrong. You, you just can't dominate because then your friends will, your roommates will hate you. But by the way, I don't know what bathroom domination means. I, well, I the I, thing that I thought it meant I've was I've done it before. Well, I think after it, a big burrito. Oh gosh. Well, that can't be what the temporary is, is referred to here. I think it's. You got one sink. I'm gonna put all my stuff around there. You know. Now, I will say after sharing, I mean, we shared a bathroom in in college. Our first three years, we were in a dorm. We were on a hallway, and we shared a bathroom with everybody on the hall. But then, our junior and senior, sophomore, junior, senior year, we moved into an apartment with two other guys, and then added a fourth guy. Mm-hmm. Um. And so in, in 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 that situation, I was sharing a bathroom. All three of us were sharing a bathroom. No, no, no. You had your own. Me and Tim. Shared a bathroom. Had a bathroom that we shared. And Greg and I shared a bathroom. Yeah. The one that when we got, when we left the apartment, we got charged and one of the items that we got charged like thousands of dollars for was we took grip tape that you put in the bottom of a bathtub when there's a shower so you don't slip and we spelled our names yeah, because, using the grip tape. Because Tim didn't live with us initially. And we didn't remove that, and yeah. then they, and they said, charged us hundreds of dollars to remove that. And if there we was, took a picture of it, if it was pretty embarrassing. If there was ever, ever any doubt as to who was responsible for this particular form of vandalism, it was Rhett, Link, and Greg, because that's what it said in the bottom of the bathroom. It said that, <laughs> yeah, we did not remove it. Um, so here's what I think. I think you shouldn't, you gotta be, you got to be diplomatic about this, okay? You 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 you're, you're you're forming a life at least for a year in a living situation with these three other people. Yeah. So you can't dominate the bathroom, but you can set the tone, set the tone. for how it exactly. how it works. And I think it comes down to two words. Caddy system. Oh gosh, I was going to say the exact same thing. Yeah. No one can leave anything on the sink. Everyone has their own container. Just like in the dorm because on the you bring on the hallway. From, you, now, do you bring it from your room or do you put it in a drawer and take it out? I'm a, I'm going worst case scenario, there's not enough room for everybody's stuff. Keep it in Keep your room. Keep it in your room. And you bring you bring your little travel companion kit. We call it a kit in the McLaughlin household. Oh, uh, here's the difference between a kit and a caddy. A kit zips up. A caddy, uh, caddy is, is open. open face. Okay, caddy's, like, caddy's good. The bread's not on top of the sandwich, so to speak. The thing I like about the kit is that if I have to go away for the weekend, you already got it. I've got it all together. But access is an issue. With the caddy, it's all there. It's all got, I have a caddy now, by the way. You have a caddy in your own in bathroom? In my own, I have my own sink. Christy has her own sink. We have two Hold sinks on, in but our your, bathroom. Your bathroom. Your bathroom is massive. I have a huge bathroom. You can bathroom. play racquetball in your bathroom. 
And, and you have a caddy? And the irony is. This might be going a little too far. I, we have pedestal sinks. This is how they were before we did not design this. Oh. It's just a sink that then at the edge of the sink, it just zoops down like a vase yeah. to the floor. No surface. And then there's this, underneath the mirror, there's a three inch deep glass shelf in front of my sink and Christy's sink. And after being in the house for six months, Lincoln somehow put something on the glass and literally broke the glass shelf on my sink. So I have nothing. I have. Hold on, you you just left it. I just left it <laughs> because because Chrissy and I were saying we're going to remodel this bathroom. Yeah. And lo and behold, three years later, nothing. And I have no shelf. I have I have literally. If I ball my fist up and put it on either side of the um, the two faucet handles. That's how much room I have. Mm. Enough room for a little soap, and then like a little something like. Where do you, where do you put the caddy when you go to the? Where do you keep the caddy, and then where do you put the caddy a, when you get to the a, sink? There's a little um, shelf. There's a. It's a floor shelf thing that we like, like an IKEA crappy type thing that we put in between the two sinks, and there's enough room for me to put my caddy down and use it and pick it up, and then Christy puts stuff down there. But where does the caddy go when it's not in use? Into a uh, a shelf with a door on it. Somewhere else in the bathroom. Yeah, seven like steps a, like away. Like a closet. Seven steps away, yeah. Ca ca caddy in the closet, that sounds I, like a movie. I really, it, I really hate it. Yeah. But but you know what, it, it, it keeps me on my toes, man. Yeah. You gotta, you don't want, you don't keep any, every, here's the thing. If you just have drawers and countertops galore like you have in your house, you accumulate a bunch of crap. Oh, you would not that you believe. Don't you would use. not believe and what it, my and, counter looks and like. And it's just strewn everywhere. I've got I think I have but with the caddy. 17 and 20 ointments that I apply to myself every day. And and you got 20 more that you've stopped using, you don't realize. And I don't it. even need them anymore, but the the Right, I got so much space. I just put creams and ointments up there. I'm like, might as well put that on my body. If we can, if I can use the caddy system now, and Rhett aspires to use one one day, then it's good for you to go ahead and start doing that now. And Charles, go ahead and buy three more for your other roommates, and say, you know what, you don't have to use this. You can buy any type of caddy or kit with a zipper that you want. But I just wanted to gift this to you. That's a way to assert your dominance. But I'll call it leadership because now you're. You, you're making a sacrifice, a few bucks out of your wallet in order to keep yeah. everybody that in is their an own incredible space. Plan. It's an incredible plan. You take the initiative, but you give them the tools to follow through with your your initiative. That That is the perfect plan. Now, we're gonna get into another question here in a second. but We got gonna, some good ones. We're gonna let you know about something. We're gonna let you know. Your Biscuits is supported by Mattress Firm. Now, one of the things about being in college, well, when you're in a dorm room, is that you're basically stuck with the bed that they give you. Ours was not good. It was not good at all. And one of the absolute luxuries of moving out of the dorm eventually and getting your own place is now you have the power of choice over what your bed is going to be. And it can, if you make the right choices, revolutionize your life because you are gonna be sleeping on that bed a lot. That's right, so we wanna encourage you, if you're in the market for mattress, bedding, anything associated with bedding, check out mattressfirm.com slash podcast to see what deals are happening right now. Mattress Firm offers you a 120 night sleep trial on whatever you get and a 120 night low price guarantee so you know you've paid the best price. And again, they're more than just mattress experts, 
They got the whole package, so check all that stuff out to transform your mattress into a bed from adjustable bases and sheets to headboards and bedroom decor. Go to mattressfirm.com slash podcast to learn how your sleeping could be monumentally improved. Ear Biscuits is also supported by Bombfell. Now, when I was in college, I remember, you know, you have so much newfound freedom. Mm. You can wear anything you wanna wear, which means I basically just wore the same three T-shirts on a rotation. Yeah, that does it. You know, <laughs> I, mean, it's just, I didn't put any thought into it and I missed out on a lot of self-expression because the other thing I could have done was gone to the mall and shopped. Oh, and no. I was never gonna do that. No, don't and, do that. And to this day, stepping foot in a mall just drains all of my power. Yes, if you are like us, you do not like going out and shopping and trying on and picking out all this crap no. for yourself. You should use Bombfell. Bombfell is an easier way for men to get better clothes. You simply complete a questionnaire and then you're matched one to one with a dedicated personal stylist. Now your stylist emails you with his or her selections. You've got 48 hours to make any changes or you can cancel the whole thing altogether. You are in total control. Then you receive the clothes. You have seven days to let Bonfell know what you wanna keep, you send the rest back. And they've gotta keep more, get more system. So the more you keep, the more you get. Keep four items, you get 20% off. Keep three plus items, you get 15% off. Keep two plus items, you get 10% off. It's super simple, super easy. We both did it, filled it out, and got our wardrobe updated. Yeah, enjoy the process and the final product of having clothes that it didn't hurt to pick out. And we've got a special offer for you. For $25 off your first purchase, visit bombfell.com slash ear. That's B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L.com slash ear, as in ear biscuit, to get that $25 off your first purchase. Bombfell.com slash ear. Bombfell, open and close. And now on with the biscuit. Let's get back into this. Um, Levi, I'm a sophomore in my engineering technology degree program. Engineering! and there tends to be lots of group projects this quarter, mm -hmm. common thing in college. It's creeping its way into the high school and middle schools, group work. How can I politely deal with partners who constantly overcomplicate every detail of the project, thereby slowing down our progress? Mm -hmm. I, I thought mm -hmm. Levi was gonna say, how do I deal with people who don't wanna contribute, which is a different problem. This one, they're, they got their, they're too nitpicky. Yeah. You're slowing down. You're gumming up the works. This is a this is a problem. Uh, group projects pr uh, present their own special set of problems because it comes down to the individuals who make up that group. Now, let me just I'll just give you a little story from my traffic engineering class. Oh, I'm listening now. Oh, yeah, I got you. I oh, got you. Got me. Hooked you. Yeah, you hooked me like a like meat on a hook. Yeah, like and a meat butcher. on a hook. Well, you could have made a, you could have made a traffic analogy. That would have been better. You're hooking me like a like a U-turn on a highway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, yes, part of the civil engineering degree at NC State University, or at least the track that I was on, had a traffic engineering component, and this was a whole class where we studied traffic, like lights, like traffic lights, like how you determine how long things should be green or red, and and uh, we also had, the, the final project for the year was completing the 64 bypass, the Highway 64 bypass, which I'm pretty sure 20 years later does exist now. Mm -hmm. But at the time it didn't, so it was connecting Highway 64 
from like east of Raleigh to like way out in Clayton or yeah, I don't know, just that part of the town. And so the group project was to take a map basically and use all the things that we had learned in the class to decide where exactly we were going to route the new road and then to do the topographic like map of where it was gonna be and where the bridges were gonna be and all, uh-huh. and what the expenses were going to be and how much you're gonna have to pay for this thing and how you avoid this graveyard and all that stuff. How many, how many like farmers with their cottages you're gonna have to force off yeah, their Yeah, because land. it was really a game of who am I going to inconvenience and how do we keep the cost down? Cause you have to pay certain people off mm-hmm. and you have to avoid certain wetlands and environmental concerns. And the craziest thing is the, the cemeteries. This is one thing I learned is that you can't move those. Well, you can't go, but you gotta stay away from cemeteries and like, if there's a cemetery in a, in a situation, it's like you cannot impinge or infringe on that cemetery I, for obvious reasons, but it's just something you don't think about until you get into a titillating traffic engineering class. <laughs> but here's what I learned. I got uh, partnered up with uh, Karen and someone else, I can't remember her oh, name. But you remember Karen. Uh, <laughs> and what I learned very quickly in our first meeting is that these two women had this had the subject matter so wrapped up. They, they they understood everything that we were going to do. They knew exactly what they wanted to do, but mm. they were deathly afraid of the final presentation. Day one, I uh. said, guys, here's the deal. You do all the work. <laughs> and I will do the, all pre- the presentation. I will do the presentation. <laughs> And it was you like told them that yes because they were worked no, up because, about it because they you could tell they had all these ideas I was like I'm gonna stay out of the way they're super nervous about the presentation I said I will get up I will do all the talking I, I will take full credit I'm for gonna tell all of your work I'm gonna tell jokes I'm gonna be able to synthesize this information in a way that gets the cl- this is one of my highlights in college oh yeah so this is a really really boring class. Super boring class. I can't tell. I don't even remember exactly what I did. I just know that I had a whole routine about this highway. And the professor, who had never laughed at a presentation, was doubling over in laughter throughout this entire presentation. And you know what grade I got in traffic engineering on the presentation and in the class? A plus, A plus, that's what I got. I got an A plus because. But you couldn't have done it without Karen and what's her name, right? <laughs> you know, right? And, but now I'm not. Now, so, so I'm I'm bringing this back to the advice. Okay, division you're, of labor. That's you're that's sa- all I'm you're saying. saying right up top. Yeah, you need to Figure have out a, who's good at what. You need to have a skills assessment conversation. Yeah, where it's like, okay, what are your expectations? What are you what what are, what are you willing to invest? What are you bringing to the table? Right. Let's divide this thing up so that everybody's not trying to do everything. If somebody's like, you know, I'm I'm really into the details, and somebody else is like, well, I'm really into the details. Like, well, only one of you can be really into the details. <laughs> well, it's I don't, the problem here. I don't know exactly how you should break it down. It may not be as clean of a breakdown as it was for me. I'm just. I, I'll make it pretty clean. Okay. I'll boil it down to two words. Two words. Caddy system. Okay, so you have a caddy system for the group. I don't know how yet, but mm. somehow you get, everybody in the group gets a caddy. <laughs> You're talk, I'm talking toothbrush. So it's uh, a sleepover? <laughs> I don't recommend that. No, but I, I I think you're right. You know, I I don't remember that much group work happening in my engineering class. There wasn't a lot. But I do remember I do remember um 
we had to design in, I think it was my, it, the, the course was called Facilities. Another fun one. Oh yeah, and it was. <laughs> we took. It was a whole, oh, listen, it was a whole course facilities. on how you take like a physical environment where something is being manufactured and you set up the manufacturing process physically within the facility. So do we need to buy fork trucks to move things or do we need to put conveyor belts in? And I remember telling them, I'm gonna do the presentation. <laughs> I didn't go as far as you did. Like yeah. I actually worked on stuff because I, I was with a couple of my friends. I, I mean, I did I did some. I, it wasn't it wasn't that clean. You I, know? I, I, I do remember at one point you had to load a bunch of, I can't remember what we were making, but it had all these like different powders and big bins that had to be moved from point A to point B. And so I found this roller bin that dumped on the internet. And I was like, all right, I was really proud of this thing. My whole presentation hinged around a, a dumping roller bin. That you bought and used in the presentation? No, I just put it in the PowerPoint. Oh, okay. We didn't, there was no real money involved. There was no real facility involved. This is all uh, imagination. Got it, virtual. But I remember I showed a picture of the bin undumped and then I showed a second picture of the bin dumped. And I remember saying, look at this roller bin that dumps. It's not yet dumping. And look, then it's dumping. Watch the bin dump, dump. And I went back and forth. You did like a Letterman thing, like dump, undump. Yep, dump, dump undump. undump. I, did, I did that. And um, yeah. it was basically like a GIF before. You, you, you invented it. I invented the GIF and I called it a GIF. And I got a lot of puzzled looks. <laughs> oh, so, it, so at the end, so I, I believe we got it, a C. It didn't go over well. We might have got a B, I don't yeah. remember. Um, I think you're right, you gotta have, right off the bat, you just gotta have the conversation, how are we gonna divide this up? And we all gotta be in on this. Everybody's gotta pull their weight. I do wanna, I do wanna make that clear. Everybody's gotta pull their weight. I think me doing the presentation was pulling a lot of weight. Ask Karen and what's her name, they'll tell you. Here's another one, Alicia. I'm an agricultural major, animal science to be specific. We had that at NC State. Mm -hmm. And I have to spend the night in the horse barn to keep an eye on the pregnant horses oh, wow. in case they give birth. Now. This is much more exciting than anything we did. Let me just tell you right off the bat. Well, at certain points it is. How can I be comfortable and get some sleep in a horse barn? This, I mean, this is what college is all about. Well, not usually. Camping out at the hind end of a pregnant horse. <laughs> I mean, it, just sleep right there at, at, the, at the rear and you, you'll wake up when you need to, trust me. <laughs> I think it might be too late once the afterbirth is is all over you. I mean, ooh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Can you first of How all? How can I be comfortable and get some sleep? Well, horses, bunch up some hay, girl. Horses, bunch up some hay. Horses sleep standing up. My do horse majors sleep standing up? Ooh, that's the question. That, that, is that part on. of it? This is like a <laughs> this is like a um, animal a, science I fraternity T-shirt. I called her a horse major. First of all, which is. Probably not what she calls herself. That's like a pickup line at like the ag yeah. school. Hey baby, do you sleep standing up? <laughs> I don't know where that where you go with that one though. Yeah, when your when your pickup line involves the word sleep, you're in you're in trouble. You want that's not appropriate. You want to see me sleep standing up? 
Like a horse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you probably don't want to say you know, that. Either. You know in what way I'm like a horse? <laughs> you know in what That's way what I'm you're like looking a horse. For. That's what you're looking it's, for. And then it's, it's, it's not uh, what you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know in what way I'm like a horse? But we just said it. And then on the back of the t-shirt, oh. it's not what you're thinking. <laughs> And then, in, do you give the answer, or is that in conversation? You, I you, sleep she, standing she, up. She has to ask. Oh gosh, she has to ask. I sleep standing up. My I, grandfather, my papa Neil, um, he tells the story of I don't know. It's got to be like nine siblings back in the day when they were on oh, the farm. They the parents in the same bed. The parents would just keep having children, and they literally the children would start taking care of the other children, and then they'd start working the farm. Mm-hmm. And he tells all these stories, but he talks about it at night. And I mean, North Carolina is not always cold, but it gets cold, and so they all they all slept in big beds where the mattress was made out of hay. Right. I mean, it's amazing how quickly things have changed in in just three generations. I don't know about you, but I don't sleep on hay. Well, not not usually. It's Thursday nights. Right. <laughs> if you if you really get in trouble, right, you have to go sleep on the hay. Yeah. Do that every night, man. So th- I, that's my answer, Alicia. Well, th- she didn't ask how do you sleep. She asked how do you, how can I get comfortable and get? Yeah, that is what she asked. Yeah, I, I answered. I, it. I think hey, hey is the answer. Bunch up the hay, girl. But you're doing you're way ahead of the game, Alicia, because I think you're doing something that uh, is immediately fulfilling as I as I picture it. Birthing a horse, Ethan. One of my sweet mates has friends, friends is in quotes, over almost every day. And when they're, quote, hanging out, she's very loud. Okay. See where this is going? And she sounds like a dying dog. My other sweet mates and I don't really know what to do. Should we tell her that we can hear her? Should we call animal control? Should we pretend like it's not happening but record her mating call? There you go, there's another clue as to what's going on. And randomly start playing it in the middle of the forest and see what animals come? Help. Uh, I've got some thoughts on this. I have some questions that I'm not well, prepared to e- ask. I don't think Ethan is here to respond. I mean, right off the bat, I will say that this is what they call free entertainment. Right. I'm just, hey, listen. This is not the kind. Why are you listening to a podcast when you could listen to your sweet mate and friends? In quotes. I'm just saying, if this was me, a a dying dog. You ever heard a dying dog? I'm sure it doesn't sound that bad. It sounds actually kind of sad. All I'm saying is that if this was me, and this was something that this was a sound that I might hear from the next room, just. Just receive the blessing. You know what I'm saying? Just, just <laughs> let it, just let it wash over you, and just be like, good for them. And you know, don't try to stop it. And don't, I wouldn't say anything about it. Now, maybe, I, maybe I can't put myself in, in, in Ethan's shoes. Maybe it's it's so overwhelming. But I got to say that when we lived at Gorman Crossings, that's where we lived at NC State, uh, apartment three thousand C. Yeah, if you want to go by and check it out, <laughs> and um, uh, the apartment above us, there was some things that happened in that apartment, and uh, directly above where I, where my room was, uh-huh. and uh, it was a pretty regular occurrence, and 
to me, it was just like putting a little quarter in a, in a machine, you know? What kind of machine? <laughs> you know, a machine that made noises. <laughs> so weird. It's like a noise machine. Well, I think a neighbor, your hands are kind of tied. Maybe, maybe the neighbors too. <laughs> but uh, I think if it's your roommate, I, this, it's not, this, it's this, a sweet mate. This sweet mate situation smacks of. Smacks is a probably not a good word. Uh, inconsiderate, man. There's a, there's a level of, I mean, if this is happening every day and the dog's dying every day, then that's a, that's a tad bit inconsiderate. It smacks of that. Now they, did, did he say that he said something? No, he's just asking what they should do. First of all, do not record it and play it for animals. That does not work, well, I can tell you from personal experience. I I thought that was a pretty good idea. I'm pretty interested in that science experiment. Well, don't don't publicize it. Maybe just play it in the forest. We don't sell tickets to it. Yeah. But don't, yeah, you, you don't put it on the internet. Definitely, you can get, that's illegal. Calling that animal control is a genius passive aggressive move, especially if they go all the way into the room. You hit, the dog's dying right now. I don't know whose dog it is, get in there. Animal control shows up with a net. I think that put a stop to it. That's the kinda, kibosh on the well, that's kind of like swatting kabam. somebody. You know, it's, yeah. a, it's like mild swatting, and swatting is Not cool. is highly illegal. It's like a major felony. You cannot call the SWAT. Oh, if you if you if you say that there's like a situation going on at somebody's house, does that, that apply to animal control too? No, I'm saying that it's it, not a SWAT it's team. It's a mild swatting. Ca- calling animal control is a mild swatting, so it's probably a misdemeanor. So I can't. We cannot advise. Okay. That, you, that you break the law. You can't unnecessarily call uh, uh, animal control just because she sounds like a dog. I've got I got two words. You always like to go to the two words. Okay, I'm listening. Sound blankets. Oh, I thought you were gonna say caddy system. Nope, I would never have said that. <laughs> yeah, but you, now that you mention it. Caddy, caddy system. system. You, maybe you just give them a caddy system that has a sound blanket in it. Lots of, I, I just think they need to decorate their room with sound blankets. I mean, everybody wins. It's warmer in there. It and the sound, the sound doesn't come out. I mean, you you, you got to soundproof it, At, and and you can go in fifty fifty on that. Okay. I do think you got to talk about it, Justin. I I keep wanting to say the last names, but I'm not. But I like the way you just left it, Justin. Justin has a question. My roommate refuses to empty the lint trap. Now is this another euphemism for the same thing? <laughs> I doubt it. I okay. think this is probably literal. Refuses to empty the lint trap. Because I obviously I don't know how that would be a euphemism for it. Well, emptying the lint trap, I think, is a euphemism for something. But what's the lint trap? I'll tell you later. <laughs> how do I properly explain the importance of lint? Trap maintenance without seeming like a jerk. Well, mm. yeah, I don't think your concern is seeming like a jerk. I think your con- your concern is seeming like a an over controlling goody two shoes. Now let me tell you how to use the lint trap. Now I can I can say this because Ooh. I am this person. I okay. am one hundred percent in charge of the lint trap at my house. Every time I go through my you know my passageway of the garage that I've talked about has. The, the the dryer in it. And every time that that thing's got some dry clothes in it, or there's wet clothes in the other one, I always am happy to transfer it in there. And I'll always remove that lint trap. But you know what, there's lots of times when I can tell that that lint trap has been run for three cycles. 
There's so much lint trapped in that thing. It's it's hazardous. Now, and I could take it around everybody in my house, and I could say, "Look what you did. We could have this could have caught on fire." But I, I I I've lost hope, and I just take I take pride in staying on top of it myself. So I've given up. Clarifying question. But I'm not in college. By doing it, by being the only person who does it, have you rendered the rest of the family like? Basically incapable of it now. Like, if you go away for an extended period of time, like if you're Are they traveling, at risk? that's that's a good. Point. Is everybody at risk now just because you haven't you haven't done it? Because Justin Rep makes a good point. Don't be like me. Um, I'm you got to do. Something. I'm not saying don't be like Link. I'm just saying that because I am also the lint trap guy in my house. Really? Yeah. Uh, because and every time do I, you lick your finger before you remove it. No, I don't have. I'm sure I do not have as developed of a system as you do. <laughs> Because if you don't lick your finger first, you're scraping for a long time. You're like a raccoon pawing at a a box that has a cake in it. I just get a corner and pull and it all comes off. Well that sounds like you've got two or three cycles on it. I definitely have two or three cycles because I'm the guy and I'm not as attentive to detail as you are. But So oh. we may be going five, six cycles at my house. You are in the danger zone. So I think the answer to this question is, I think you've got to, again, I think you've got to potentially fake a fake a situation. Oh gosh. I think you've got to I think you've got to put on some you got to get some some clothes and and like char them in certain places and you've got to just in the middle of the night one night run in, grab your roommate and say, "Get up, get up. There's a fire. There's a fire because we didn't change the lint in the dryer." <laughs> and then he's going to panic. And you're being—you've already been burnt because you're wearing the clothes. Yeah, yeah. You—you you need to look a little burnt. Okay, you don't have to do makeup. I'm just saying, just a little charriness. Okay. You know that can be done in the t-shirt. In the t just a t-shirt, just a t-shirt with some char on it, like a nipple peeking yeah, through. Yeah, kind you of can thing. smell a little bit like smoke if you want to get some liquid smoke and just use it like cologne. Okay. That's another uh, another option. Good. You freak him out. He gets up. He thinks that the place is burning down, and then right before he gets out the door, you say, "Psych." But that's how serious this would be because you never changed the lint trap. Now again, I don't know about the legal repercussions of faking a fire. You cannot do that in a public place because that's illegal. I was but I think you can say fire just to your roommate. You can do anything. I don't know. We don't. We're not once. legal experts, uh, it, especially if he doesn't go and then tell the authorities. I was actually going to say gather up all that lint that he should have removed over three cycles and then put it in the middle of his floor and burn it. <laughs> Show him, show show him, him how, how flammable it is. Yeah, show don't, him how flammable it is. Again, uh, I think that should come with a warning. Tracy. Hi guys. Hey. I teach intro to sociology at Pennsylvania Highlands Community College. I'm listening. Sometimes it can be challenging to hold students' attention. Any suggestions for making learning more fun in the classroom? Mm. I'm not gonna make any community college jokes. Okay, because I could say something like, well, because you're teaching at a community college, I see how this is a problem. But I'm, I'm not going to say that. I don't. I wouldn't say anything like that. Um, Tracy, s seriously, I, I think I, I think I have some good advice that comes from my father, who is a law professor, uh, who has been teaching for an incredibly long time, like since 1980, and um, so we're, we're talking almost 40 years of teaching experience. And now I don't know necessarily. If this is the, he basically uses the Socratic method to, 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 to teach. 
Um, which is what does that mean? It's basically like calling on people and having a discussion, a conversation. And uh, you know, it's a little old school, but here, here, here's the thing that I think is great about this. So every single day, and I don't know if he still does this. I haven't talked to him about it in a while, but you haven't talked to him. Period. You should talk to him. I'm not talking to my dad right now. <laughs> just, <laughs> just kidding. Um, it's not something we should joke about. Oh. It's not something we should joke about. But we did. Okay, so. In any given class that my dad is teaching, he may call on you. Oh, not, there's no raising of hands. No, so he, he he's like, okay, he gives a homework assignment or you know he's or the reading assignment. He's like, talking about these it. are the cases that you're supposed to read this week, and then Tuesday morning rolls around, and then he's sitting there and he's teaching and he's like, Mister Neal, what do you think? And then he asks a specific question. Ooh. At that point, Mr. Neal has to stand up in class, and he says sometimes the entire class will be one student standing up and him just asking them questions and having a discussion the entire class with one person standing up. That He has done that before. That has got to make some people crap their pants. But you know what it does, Tracy? But you're, if you're gonna be a lawyer, I yeah, guess. It, but not all lawyers get up and speak in front of people. They're not all orators. Yeah, but here's the thing is that he he's actually told me that like uh, this particular approach is a little bit has been, people have tried to discourage him from doing it because mm -hmm. it does put students in an uncomfortable situation. But he's old school and he's like, well, that's what they need to be put into an uncomfortable situation. <laughs> if they're trying to be good at this job, they need to be able to be grilled and to take these questions and to be able to answer them. Now, I'm not saying you have to go as, as old school and as strict as Professor McLaughlin, but I do think that. Makes my pit sweat right now just thinking about but, it. But I mean, we're talking about sociology at Pennsylvania Highlands Community College, okay? So I think that we're in a situation where we can expect someone to. I think you should just call on people, Tracy. Honestly, I think that's what you should do. I think there should be random times in any given class where you're like, Mr. McLaughlin, or whatever you call your students, and then ask that question. You don't have to make them stand up, but just let them know that they could be asked a question at any time. You will immediately have this new sense of authority as the professor in this class, and they will have this immediate respect, and because no one likes to look stupid. No one, and, and you know what, then the people who aren't preparing. Uh, sometimes I kinda do. <laughs> okay, that explains a lot. But I'm just throwing that out there, food for thought. I think that would be a way to get people to perk up and pay attention and know they can be called on at any time. Tracy, just try it a little bit if you're gonna take Rhett's advice and remember that it wasn't my advice. Taylor. I'll take credit for it. I'm graduating from film school in the spring. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea what I'm going to do after college. Probably so, you should do something film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. should do something film. Yeah, do something film. For the first time ever, I won't be in school and that's kind of scary. How do you decide what to do with your life when school no longer dictates everything you do? You know, um, this this is real. I mean, Taylor's right. You You spend your whole life just being taught at. Scheduled. Everything's and learning. For you. And maybe you've had a job, maybe you've had a full-time job, but, or something that's flirted with jobbiness, but it's different when it's like, okay, I'm, I'm not a student anymore, I'm just out there. Um, for me, in my junior year, they, 
they presented all the engineering students with the co-op program, which was you take a sem- you don't take a semester off. You're technically still a student, but instead of taking classes, you find a job and they help you find a job somewhere for a semester and then you come back and you take another semester of classes. So it it elongates your um your student career before you move on to your bona fide career by probably another year. But it's like it's a it's more of a soft transition into full time work as opposed to a hard transition from school to work. I'm obviously not advising this to you, Taylor, because you're about to graduate, but this is my perspective was um I was interested in that because I could I could start making some money and then I could maybe find get my foot in the door somewhere because they gave a stat like over 70% of co-op students got a job with the company that they the company they were co-oping with and I that actually happened with me. I started working at IBM because they also tell you how much people pay. And you know, I was very frugal and when somebody told me I could start making money and elongate my college career, which I was enjoying, it was like a win-win for me. And I was like, and I, IBM pays the most. They paid like $17.19 an hour. Mm-hmm. I I don't remember numbers, and I remember that number. seventeen nineteen. It, it meant a lot to me. I was like, I'm gonna rake it in back in 1998. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that and I ended up getting working for them full time afterward. But it was kind of cool to go for a semester and then come back and um, so for me, it it wasn't that daunting. I didn't have that moment of, oh crap, now it's the rest of my life. Do you remember feeling that? I kind of eased into it. I, I liked working there and they, extend, they extended a job I, offer. I, I didn't do the co-op but I did a summer. I did a summer at Black and Veatch that then led to my job. So I did sort of like a soft co-op. So it was kind of a soft transition. But I, but I think that specifically to- I, I do think that's good advice before we, I think my first piece of advice is if you're, a, if you're a student, look for something, even if you don't get paid or don't get paid much at all, to gather some, to make connections and to get some experience before you're out there. And then I think second of all, even if you haven't done that, it's what do I do after graduating? It's like, don't think of it like the rest of your life. Think about it just the next step. Well, yeah, because it works totally different than it used to. I was gonna say specifically for Taylor, uh, because we're talking about film here, is this is very different yeah. than engineering. Like you can't just go off and say, I'm gonna do some engineering on the side. Like you usually have to be with an outfit or a firm mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But as a film major, I would expect that Taylor, you are already creating things, have been creating things probably your whole life. But one thing that you should be doing, if you're not already doing it, is you should be very actively pursuing your own projects because I, you know we live in a place now in a, in a time where with a few hundred bucks, uh, which pretty much, you know, most people can find a way to make a few hundred bucks by working somewhere or, you know, can get a digital camera and a a very cheap computer or even borrow somebody's computer, get some, there's free software. Like you're in a place now where you can, and probably even use the equipment at your school, be creating a lot of stuff because any creative career is like, when people apply to work at Mythical Entertainment, we do not look at their GPA. I mean, some people 
put their GPA on their resume like some people do, like when people are proud of it, you know, when it's like three, five or higher. Yeah. But many, many times. It is an indicator, but we, it's not we, we, the first thing we, we don't, look at. We don't look at, we don't really care what school you went to. We don't really care what your GPA is when it comes to an entertainment business. What we care about is your portfolio, what you have to show, Where's your, what's your reel, what have you done, how does it apply to what it is that we need, and then what is your interview like, and do you feel like a good fit uh, to what we're trying to accomplish here? So I would just say that from when it's a, you have a, there's sort of a different way of approaching things when you have a creative, you're coming from a creative background. You should be creating as much as possible because it's probably gonna be some short film or some video or some YouTube series or something like that or just a, just a one minute of footage that's gonna get you or being a job on, somewhere. Or, or being on a set and part yeah. of a larger team. I think, you know, find a way to apply that no matter what your uh, your field of study is, find a way to get your feet wet before you gotta jump into the deep end of the tub. M asks, what can I make in the microwave to eat that's not boring? We're back in college again. Gotta use that microwave as a main form of cooking. Mm. Well, I've got a great answer to this and I've demonstrated how to make it on Good Mythical Morning before. I call it the cheese disc. It's not boring at all. It is just one layer of Ritz crackers on a plate with then shredded cheese sprinkled on top of it to basically create a cheese blanket. You throw, you can't have blue cheese if you're feeling frisky. Then you put that thing in the microwave for approximately 60 to 90 seconds and then you stand back, you open it up and you have a cheese frisbee that can either be eaten or thrown. Tell me what part of that is boring. I'm listening. Silence. That's right, crickets, baby, because it's not boring. It's the best thing that you can do with a microwave. Lauren asks, as parents, are there any hopes slash fears you, meaning us, have with our own kids getting closer to preparing themselves for college? Hmm. Yeah, Lily is uh, a freshman in high school. So four years from now, she'll be in college. It's crazy. That is crazy. To think about that. Yeah. Four years is not a long time. Yeah, and Locke uh, has five years and he'll be in college. It, this is a pretty fresh subject for, for me. I was just having a conversation oh, yeah? with Locke about this last night. So, so they just, our kids just last year made the transition from homeschooling into to, to regular school, public school. Which I would say is going well. Yeah, yeah, it's going great. Very well. Um, there was a, you know, it wasn't a great transition, like the first couple of weeks they were a little freaked out. Locke was freaked out about, you know, is all the work and, uh, and just, you know, how, what are, how am I being measured and all this stuff, but he's gotten into a groove, he's done very, very well. But now, he's in this place where these other kids are talking about prepping for college and um, it is so much more competitive than it was when we were in school. So I remember when, when we were in high school from 1992 to 1996, um, like AP classes were a very new thing. In fact, I, I don't even know if my brother, who was just a few years older. Got, got college credit? Uh, for like AP, like advanced placement stuff. Right. Just because they were like rolling the program out, at least in Harnett County, they were rolling it out in the 90s. And so it was very, like we took AP physics and we went to Michael Juby's house and just had him explain what the heck was going on with AP physics. <laughs> but we didn't take that many AP classes, but now there's all this pressure 
to get all these AP courses if you really wanna get your first choice in college. And so Locke is very driven, he's very focused, he's thinking about his future, his mind is in the future, he's very much like me, but yet he's not in Harnett County in 1992, so he's, he, he's in a different place, and so his mentality is like he's got this pressure. Now, we've put pressure on him almost unknowingly because we kind of have this like, you gotta do well. You need to put yourself in a position to be in a good college because it determines the rest of your life. And just mm-hmm. the way we talk about academics, I think has actually put some unneeded pressure on him. And so just last night, we're talking about how we're trying to plan some stuff that we're gonna do for the for the summer, mm-hmm. uh, which might involve some trips and some vacations and that kind of thing. And then he's like, well, dad, I've got two sessions of summer school. And I'm like, well, let me look at the dates on this thing. And he basically has scheduled his entire summer as school because he's taking high school classes before he gets to high school because he's like, Dad, I have to take this science so then I can have more room for AP classes. And so then I can boost my GPA and get my first choice college. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, but Locke, we won't have the ability to take like a real family vacation. You won't be able to go to some of these basketball camps that you wanna go to. You're gonna basically be in school and with a very just a couple of short breaks and i like had this moment where i was like i feel like we've put this undue pressure on him well maybe it's just i mean and maybe a lot of it does come from his own mind and the way that he is it's kind of a role reversal whoa 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 we got to go on vacation it's an interesting dynamic well because and then i started like reading about like there's a new york times article which is about all the pressure that kids have now to like mm-hmm. there's this it's it's super interesting because it's this thing where like kids who are well off, upper middle class kids who have the their parents are supporting them and they have the ability to pay for summer classes and for expensive tutors and that kind of thing. Uh-huh. They're getting all this benefit from these AP classes, but then the, the 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 kids who don't have as much money and don't have as much support from their kids from their parents who are the ones who actually need the the increased exposure to college. Uh-huh. They're not doing this stuff. That's kind of a whole different issue. It's just sort of an interesting picture of the way that this has kind of created this race to the finish for kids to get ready for school. But ultimately, what we've decided is he's not going to take both sessions because I'm like, I don't want to look back and say, you didn't get to go to these cool places and go on these cool trips and do these these camps that you wanna do, which I think is ultimately more enriching as a person. And I'm like, you know what? You may not be able to get as many AP classes when all is said and done, but I don't want your life to be completely defined by just trying to have all this pressure to succeed, to just get into exactly the right school as if that's going to make all the difference in the world. I don't know, we're just having, a, I don't necessarily have any specific advice about it, but it's 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 very fresh conversation for us. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not nearly as a futurist in my thinking as you are instinctively. So for me, it takes more discipline for, for for me to think about wow in 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 the next year or two we're going to be making some some concrete decisions about where where Lily's going to go when she graduates but yeah you're you're exactly right all of those decisions trickle back to a year before now you know so i start to feel behind when i hear you talk about it which is kind of it kind of freaks me out but i do think that our experience in doing something and finding ourselves successful at something that we couldn't we couldn't have 
um, declared as a major. Yeah. I mean, and at a yeah, school that's not, we, not pr- prestigious. We, we you thought, know? yeah, we thought we were going to go to film school. That was that was nixed before we even left high school. It just didn't happen. It didn't seem um, wise enough to you know the people who were influencing us. Mm. Uh, but it turned out okay. You know, you take you take. It's a balance, and I th- I, I think you give a good example of of maintaining that balance of. Uh, okay, we've got to do. We've we should know everything that needs to be done, but then it may not be the wisest choice to do all of that. Yeah, to, because to be yeah. quote successful, you know, it's. Uh, I think it's very important that we teach our kids to, to, to listen to themselves, to get to know themselves as they're becoming themselves because it could be so they're so far from being who they're going to be because it it could be some experience that they have over summer in something they're trying a camp that they go to uh, a country that they travel to which is important to us that they have the opportunity to do that Um, I think that that will probably ultimately contribute to who they are as a person more than just having all their ducks in a row when it comes to being ready for college and you know what maybe they won't get into you know like Locke is Talked to like we since he was a kid. He's like, I want to go to Stanford, and you know. And I'm like, well, that's an incredibly difficult thing to do. And I'm all for it if you can work your way into that situation. But we come from a totally different place. Like, like there's NC State is a great school for what we did, but it is not a school that is particularly hard to get into. It's not, and it's like we didn't have this like pressure. Like it was a given that we were a going to a state school. We weren't going to go to a private school that required a lot of money. And B, it was going to be in state. You know, I think at the time things have changed so much. But I think I remember our entire college career at NC State cost like twenty three thousand dollars or something like that. Like it was state state school, especially California state school, is so much more expensive than that now. But I don't know, I, we, we need to move on to another question, but I just think that we're trying to answer those questions right now, and I think that the bottom line is we're trying to think about our kids as a whole person and realize that it's not just about the the academic success and going to the right school, uh, because I don't think, you know, I think that they can get, it, it can mess them up emotionally and mentally if they apply this pressure at this this developmental stage, there's there, there's so many things happening that I just don't want to put too much pressure, especially when you start seeing that they're putting pressure on themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, Heather asks, "What do you do when your sweet mate pees all over the toilet seat?" P.S. My sweet mate is a girl. <laughs> what? Uh, Heather. Uh, we can't help you there. No. 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 But I think your your sweet mate needs help. Um, Justin asks, "What is some of the best ways to make the cafeteria food taste better? I would like some better food for the rest of my time that I'm here as a college student." I remember, you know, staying in Syme dorm our freshman year. Every night we were on the on the far that was that had to have been the east side east campus east side of campus, and the dining hall was on the basically the far west side of campus. And you remember every night like we would we'd we'd gather like some friends that lived on our hall and you'd make a pilgrimage. It was a pilgrimage all it was the, the way across opposite side of campus, campus 
to get to the dining hall. I I just have really fond memories of 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 that moment. It's like you're done with classes, you get back to your dorm room, everybody starts gathering up. It's like, all right, what what you guys ready to go to the dining hall? It's like every you know, it was a concerted effort. It was like a it was like a an expedition, a backpack expedition into like the Everest or something. You gotta get geared up. It's like, you bringing snacks? Do you got a drink? You know, it's like, we gotta have something to sustain us halfway. By the time we get to Turlington Hall, we're probably gonna need to find a water fountain right. so that we can make it the rest of the way. And you also didn't wanna show up at the cafeteria alone. I yeah, think, so it was I like. there was this sense of like. Bring a delegation. Yeah, yeah. It was like bringing your freaking delegation to the dining hall. It's one of my favorite memories of being in college. I doubt that this is the way, I, I just doubt that this, uh, there's many people listening that this is their practice what? though. If they, if they were in Syme dorm, I'm sure. I, I, I don't know, know other man. people. I think people. I think people are a lot more isolated. Oh, you mean now? Now. I thought you meant other people back then, but there were lots of delegations and then by the time when you got closer, it all come together. Because like, because we weren't like we weren't connecting again. I'm not trying to sound like an old crotchety man, but but you are. But I will say that we weren't connecting with people via via phones because we didn't have smartphones. So you made some legitimate connections with the people in your dorm room, especially when in you're your walking dorm. cross country to get to there. And then when you get over, there, I don't remember anything about the food except that there was a whole machine for chocolate milk. Oh yeah, the chocolate milk machine. And you remember you go up to the thing with chocolate milk and it, it, had it, bags. Was, a, it was a chrome box with chocolate milk bags. With a tube and it had the And it had the white brownish tube because the chocolate milk had stained it over the years. And then in front of that there was like a, mm. there was like a, I'll just call it a ladle. It was a, a heavy metal ladle but instead of like being a scooper it was it was like a knob on the end of it, and you would grab it. You'd grab it and you would lift it. It was like it was very medical. It was like it was like it was a like, cow. It, it was like it a, might as well have been a cow's well, udder. It was more like a turning cough situation. Yeah, but we you were in an saying? agricultural school. I think it probably was like tied into the milking technology they were using on that part of campus. The knob was as big as the palm of my hand, and you yeah. would you pick up a handful of that metal and you lift up the arm and then underneath it you put your glass and the chocolate milk would flow. Yeah, yeah. That a, made up. a beautiful thing. So I think my advice is just focus on the experience. The food's gonna taste like crap. Just pour <laughs> chocolate milk on it. Well, I, I was just gonna say hot sauce. <laughs> just, they have that there. Just use, or you can use, bring it in your pocket. Use hot sauce or take hot sauce uh, with you and that'll solve a world of problems. Hot sauce and chocolate milk. Um, let's, let's close with a personal one. From okay. Morgan, what's the most annoying roommate habit you both had to deal with in college, possibly about the other person, and how did you deal with it? So I haven't really thought about this one ahead of time. I think uh, I think mine. How did I annoy you? I was annoyed. This I think this is more about me than about you. But I was annoyed at you that you could so easily and without a tinge of remorse or anxiety, drop whatever studies you were doing and play twisted metal with Greg. <laughs> and it wasn't that yeah, I wasn't invited or that I felt left out. I was days, just man. so envious of your ability to just say, 
all the all this stack of stuff that I'm supposed to be doing as a in my collegiate endeavor. Oh, screw it. I'm just gonna be over here having fun. Like, and I and maybe this is more in retrospect, but I don't know. I know I feel this way now, looking back at the college you. I'm so annoyed that you had that ability. It's envy. Well, I I did study. You, you know, did study. I and I and I did well, but I didn't do as well as I would have if I hadn't have decided that, okay, I, this is enough. If, and I was very influenced by Greg's mentality, which we've told this story before, but <laughs> one time he was trying to get me to stop studying and he came into my dorm room and he said, come on, let's go. You know what you know, you don't learn anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said as I was trying to study. And I remember <laughs> you told me that. You turned to me and you're well, telling me that. We, and I'm like, I, well, since that moment in college, many different times when anyone's trying to get ready for something, we've just said, you know what you know, you don't learn anything. <laughs> just come on, let's yeah, just yeah. do it. And uh, you know what? While that is entirely not true, uh, because if you knew what you knew, there'd be no need for college. You, 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 do, you do learn things all the time. But the sentiment was, come on, man, this isn't the most important thing right now. And Oh, is that what he meant? My mom just made a stromboli. That's the, here's the thing about Greg's mom is that she had this stromboli that she would make and she would freeze it. Uh, yeah, she she when she came to visit him or when he went back home, he would come back with these strombolis and then we would put them in the toaster oven. So they were like cooked and frozen and then we'd just put them in the toaster oven. Oh man. And this was like this is like the perfect college taste. You know what I'm saying? Like a toaster oven thawed. It's like a pizza in a blanket. Stromboli. And he put that stromboli in that toaster oven. We'd put on Twisted Metal on the PlayStation. And I would be the the Cadillac that had, the, no the hearse. I would be the hearse that had the, the fire that came out of the headlights. I don't think that's a character on the game anymore. And we would just play Twisted Metal for hours and like that you start smelling that toaster oven heating up that stromboli. Like if I could smell that stromboli in that toaster oven in Greg's dorm right now, it would be it would fill me with so much joy. You can. And we can get a toaster your, oven and a stromboli. In your memory, man. And there was just something about that experience that just I was like, this is what college is supposed to be about. Twisted metal and college. stromboli. Um, I never once you never tasted you, stromboli. You never you never came over to the Greg's room and played the game. Never. never. Not, Not once. once. <laughs> yeah, you didn't. You missed out, man. Yeah. But hey, we're having fun. And now. I hate I hate you for it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you It's annoying. I'll tell you uh something that annoyed How did I not, how did I annoy you that speaks more about your shortcomings as a person? Well, it's interesting because I feel like I did not have a very good even though we were best friends all growing up and lived together through all throughout college, you know, shared a room together. Mhm. Uh-huh. I don't think that I would have ever been able to articulate your sensitivities and your and how particular you are about certain things until having worked with you for all these years. Like I wouldn't have necessarily just said because uh, I don't think we knew ourselves very well. I don't think I would have known a lot about me personally or right. about you. It just we weren't thinking about those things. Right. So I would I don't think I would have said that like well Link is picky or 
He's really particular about what temperature it is, it is in our room, and because I, I don't remember thinking any of those things until like we started working together every single day for a really long time. The thing that I remember, and I and it was a little annoying. It was also kind of amusing. Um, was when you were still dating your girlfriend from high school. Uh huh. So we're talking freshman year. Freshman year. I don't know door. what you're gonna say, but and you would talk to her on the phone. And you'd be curled up on the, uh, the Mr. Bed, Fly on the bed. You'd get into your bed, and you'd be laying there in your bed, and you'd kind of like be in the bunk bed. Yes, you would be in the bunk bed. Okay, and you'd be in the fetal position, like facing away from me. So like, kind of creating this barrier, and like having your head on the pillow, and like talking into the phone, and like <laughs> the nature of the your voice would be like. <laughs> And it was like baby talk to your girlfriend for mm. like maybe an hour. Oh my god. And goodness. it happened a lot. And uh it was <laughs> you've forgotten about this. Yeah. That was it. So that was that was one type of conversation you would have. And of course I was like still in the room, I was like studying or doing whatever, eating stromboli, whatever I was doing. I think I was making dying dog noises. <laughs> No, those are distinctly different. And then the other conversation that you would have, which th this wasn't annoying because you would be so quiet, was when you were talking to your mom, and y and you know yeah. you you guys grew up together basically. You know, you're a single mom, sing uh, only only child. So you guys had like a different. Well, she was grown up. Different. She was the mom, and I was a child. Right, but you know what I'm saying. Like it was the two, two of, of us. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you kind of have a different relationship with your mom and. I like I my mom would have to call me to like track me down to like talk to me. Your mom would call you as well, but she called a lot more than my mom did. And you would you would literally just be on the phone for like 45 minutes and it would just be Mhm. 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 Now, Greg was a lot worse than me at that. They're talking to his mom like yes, that? Yes, you're getting me confused with Greg. No, 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 but no, but your mom. Now, you're right, my I mom would talk. I'm, I wasn't annoyed by this, because like I you said, were just, you were just being quiet. But my mom was, loved your, me your more mom, than your mom loved your you, Your mom yes. would just talk to you and talk to you and, and like fill you in on lots of things, and you uh -huh. and you would just, uh -huh. you were just there, you were you were just listening to it. I still do that now, yeah. <laughs> but But you have to remember that Greg's conversations with his mom were epic. I don't recall. Like, I, I distinctly do. He would ha he would be like two hours on the phone with his mom. No, and she would be doing all. He put me to shame, but that annoyed you. The, and while we're on, on it, the thing that Greg always tells, if he was here, he always makes fun of me. Even when we saw him, when we were on tour. He's in Washington State, and he came in. We saw him after that show. I think he brought it up again, but it was like a running joke. But he would say every. Every night at a certain time, which would be my bedtime, all of a sudden he would hear ding 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 This is how this is him telling the story. And he'd be like, Well, I know Link's going to bed because he's got his spoonful of peanut butter and then he's he's poured Nesquik into his chocolate milk and he's stirring his chocolate milk in his glass with his peanut butter spoon. 
and that annoyed him to no end. He said, <laughs> that every night, it would, he, wherever he was in the apartment, probably playing Twisted Metal with you, yeah. I'd be back in my room like, I'm going to bed now, and no, I've but, done my studies. But I think it's the combination of how systematic it is and how aggressive you are at everything <laughs> like that. Like, <laughs> the, you chew very aggressively, you but stir I would be very my, aggressively. I would be in my room, like but, I would drink right, it in my room, right, but bedside. It would, but it would, it's it's coming out through it, the thing. It got like him. if you were to it walk if you were to walk in and see you doing it, you'd be like going <laughs> like there's a there's a very aggressive intentionality right. to the way that you do the things that you settled into. Maybe it was twice. And I'm sure it was a certain number. Yeah, I I mean I don't recall that, but but I can I can relate to it. And you know what? I wish you the best in your schooling careers. It seems to me you were saying I didn't get to say this that um that Locke's definitely going to community college. Yeah, yeah, ultimately that's, yeah, we've, okay. ma we've made the decision. It's no, I, didn't, I didn't wanna leave that stone unturned given no, all it, your community college talk on Good no Mythical Morning. It's no longer a four year college degree. We're, no, we're not really expecting that of him anymore. So we wish you the best in, if, if you're studying, if you're supposed to be studying right now and you haven't been, well get back to it. Oh, you know what? You know what you know, you don't learn anything. Yeah, exactly. Play some twisted metal. Go eat a stromboli. Do Make they, yourself do, a peanut butter spoon, dip it in some milk, and stir up that chocolate syrup. Do they allow toaster ovens in college dorms anymore? Probably not, so I don't know. You know, it's, Warm it up in your pocket. Just get a hot pocket. We had a guy that worked here for a while who put a hot pocket in his pocket and literally heat it that way. Do that, that's very college. Talk at you next week. 